improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> And welcoming open mic, where comedians can get substantial mic time for the mere price of a spot of tea and crumpets. Comedians who remain after their initial sets are invited to perform feats of improvisation and ingenuity in the famous lightning round games, which are guaranteed to delight and entertain. Ah, thinking of these bright young comedians with so much potential and so many drug problems makes me as giddy as a schoolgirl. I haven't had so much fun and giggles since my non-trinary youth at Bumble's Warning School in East Brackenshire, where I danced with Hugh Grant, helped Jason Statham steal an antique shotgun, and took nude photos of Prince Harry, who I must mention was not named appropriately. Sign up in person for your own comedic adventures at 730 When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. It's 2 o'clock. It's Mutiny Radio. It's time to talk about religion. Today with Jarrett Hawley on Some Call Me Tim. There it is. I rushed it. I did it perfectly last week. Not this week. Welcome to Some Call Me Tim. I'll be interviewing Jarrett Hawley today. Comedian, singer. He sang, well, he guest hosted um, Happy Hour last week, and he sang all of these songs that he's written, and boy, is that guy funny. I like I like little song and dance numbers. He can sing, too. He's, he's totally, on, totally on key. Uh, we'll find out what he believes in. I don't. I don't know what he believes in. I. I don't know what I. I don't. Know what, I don't even know what I believe in anymore. Clearly not myself. <laughs> so that's. See if you got. You got that going for you too. Uh, but I, I'm excited to talk to him about whatever he wants to talk about. He wore a bow tie last week, so I have a feeling that he might be. I. I don't know what that means. Uh, I have a feeling he might. He might be religious. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that he was raised super evangelical and that he still uh, is a Christian and goes to church and stuff. I'm guessing. There there are very few and far between in comedy that um, are like truly religious or there's a couple though. There's a couple. One of there's one guy who was the pastor. Remember that? Rowan. Um, he was, I was like, damn, you're really, you really believe. That's pretty amazing. Um, so, some call me Tim. He'll be here soon. You can talk to him if you want. 415-550-0511. Ask him some questions. I'm going to ask him questions. I'm going to make him look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. And um, tell me what exactly he believes in uh let's uh find something while we're in the interim while we're waiting for him i will look for something vaguely religious uh for you guys to listen to because i i believe i don't believe i used to i really 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 used to believe and and 
at this point, I'm even wondering, like, maybe I should start believing again. <laughs> maybe if I, maybe if I, uh, maybe if I was thinking more about Jesus, I wouldn't be. Um, let's look up for. I want to see Mormons explained, because I really don't know as much about them as I profess. So we'll see what comes up. But, but you know what will probably come up is the South Park video. Remember that one where they explain Mormonism? Uh, all right. Uh, I guess here we go. Oh, Mormon beliefs in 60 seconds. Perfect. It's actually a minute and a half, but I'm super stoked. They better not give me a commercial. Here we go. Scene seven, take one, marker. God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, agency, making mistakes, forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, unconditional love, repentance, redemption, resurrection, scriptures, the New Testament, the Old Testament, the Book of Mormon, old prophets, living prophets, inspiration, baptism, by immersion, singing hymns, temples, marriage, obedience, being good, good husbands, good fathers, good mothers, good daughters, good sons, good neighbors, good citizens, helping others, serving others, lifting others, welcoming others, big families, small families, the human family, eternal families, Genealogy, laughter, minivans, hard work, the Sabbath day, church, activities, miracles, honesty, integrity, chastity, caring for our bodies, imperfections, charity, compassion, joy, joy, joy. Wow, that was what Mormons believe in 60 seconds. And that's pretty nice. I mean, it all seemed, except for the chastity part, I'm, I'm pretty on board. <laughs> let's see the, let's see another one. Um, what Mormons believe uh, I, I, about the Godhead, that's a, that seems a little bit too, too much for me to figure out what's going on. Um, let's try 13 more, 13 Mormon beliefs. And these are from the Mormons. This is, I'm taking it off their website. The so. articles of faith play an important role in the beliefs of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, what are the Articles of Faith, and how did they come about? In 1842, when the Mormon Church, properly referred to as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, was still young, John Wentworth, the editor of the Chicago Democrat newspaper, wrote a letter to Joseph Smith, president and prophet of the church, who was living in Nauvoo, Illinois at that time. Wentworth requested information on the rise of the young church and its core beliefs. Joseph was initially reluctant to record or officially state a set of beliefs of the church, as he believed the restoration of doctrines and teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ were ongoing, a principle that Latter-day Saints today sometimes refer to as continuing revelation. Joseph said, the Latter-day Saints have no creed, but are ready to believe all true principles that exist as they are made manifest from time to time. Hmm. Joseph believed there should be space left for ongoing revelation from God through his prophets. Nevertheless, Joseph wrote a response to John Wentworth, commonly known as the Wentworth Letter, which it turns out was never published by Wentworth or by any of his associates. The entire Wentworth Letter, Joseph recorded, was first published by Joseph Smith in the Latter-day Saint newspaper, Times and Seasons, 
in March of 1842. The letter concluded with a list of 13 paragraphs that over the next 40 years became an important foundation to the doctrine of the church. In October of 1880, during a general conference of the church, the list of 13 points of belief were titled the Articles of Faith and were canonized as part of a book of scripture called the Pearl of Great Price. So what do the Articles of Faith say about Latter-day Saint belief? Well, for example, they include fundamental beliefs about the nature of the Godhead. We believe in God, the Eternal Father, and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. We the mission and atonement of Jesus Christ. We believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by a Holy Scripture and the revealed and Word of God. We believe the Bible to be the Word of God. We also believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God. We the future of the House of Israel and missionary work. We believe in the literal gathering of Israel and in the restoration of the Ten Tribes. That Religious freedom and tolerance for the beliefs of others. We claim the privilege of worshiping Almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege. These and many other principles and ordinances of the gospel like baptism, laying on of hands, gifts of the Spirit, obedience to secular laws and governments, and being honest. Oh, good. He's here. We don't have to listen to Mormon stuff anymore. And doing good. Okay, Jared Hawley. So I was, I didn't, I was trying to guess what religion you might have, or what you might have subscribed to in the past. And um, then I, so I'm going to figure out that in a second. Uh, tell the people uh, who you are. Uh, hi, my name is Jarrett Hawley. I go by Jet on stage. I want to apologize. Only God and wizards are always on time. <laughs> I was doing some work from home. Oh, good for you. Lost track of time. Hey, it's all good. You live in the city? No, I actually live in Oakland. Oh, wow. So you had to come all the way over. Well, thank you for coming all the way over for some call me Dave. Absolutely. So this is the show where... Um, <clears throat> I usually have you look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, who's behind you, mm. and I ask, I start off by saying, do, do you believe in Jesus? Uh, I believe Jesus was a great man. Mm. So was Martin Luther King. Oh, hell yeah. But we don't make pictures, I guess we do make pictures of Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. we don't He's definitely been a little deified. Yeah. Huh. So Jesus wasn't the son of God. We all are sons of God, sons and daughters. Ooh, ooh, I like that. So what is, uh, what is your background? And you strike me as, I was guessing, I was thinking mm -hmm. that you might come from an evangelical background. Uh, <laughs> no, but I did go to evangelical Christian school did for a little, minute, little amount of time. Oh. Yeah, that was yeah. the school they stopped allowing me to ask questions in science. Because oh. they do like, oh, we all know dinosaurs were on the ark. And so I brought evidence in to prove that the fecal matter from dinosaurs would not float, wow. let alone dinosaurs. They said that dinosaurs were on the ark? Yeah. God kept them in eggs, apparently. Wow. You know. <laughs> wow. So how long were you in evangelical school for? Uh, one year. Because they couldn't take me and I couldn't take them. So it was a private school? Yes. And... So you come from a wealthy background? I come from a uh, middle class background. Middle class. Why, why, why did they take you out of public school? They thought private school would be that you'd learn more? Or was it your family was like, let's get this? Let me start with I'm from the South. Oh. From Memphis, Tennessee. And so oh. the thought was I would have an easier time. An but, easier time in private school? Yes. Well... 
in public school, we had a lot of shit because it was a, a you know county public school. Sure. Even though it was from the suburbs. Right. So, for instance, my last year in public school in my elementary time, I went back to public school for secondary. Sure. But uh, my fifth grade teacher was hella racist. Really? Oh yeah. Your teacher was. Oh yeah. <gasps> and so, like, what did she make you sit in the? Back of the classroom? Or she separated she, the class. She put she, all the black kids on one side of the class, far away from the door. What? And then she put all the black males in the back corner. What? And then for those of you on radio who can't see me, I'm I'm what's known in black culture as high yellow. Uh-huh. I am very light-skinned. And so because of that, she wasn't sure what I was, <gasps> and I got put in the center of the room. Wow. Mm-hmm. And did she treat students differently based on... Oh, absolutely. Really? And like... A teacher... Well, that happened. In fifth grade. Oh, yeah. They let you know real quick you a nigga. So, and also all the kids in the class were obviously like aware of the separation. Mm -hmm. And not really sure what's going on because in the fifth grade, you're what, 11? Right. And they, wow. Mm -hmm. So, you, they, so when they they said sixth grade, we're going to put him in a private school. Yeah, let's try this out. Let's try it. And then it got worse in a different way i got more individualized attention and it was realized because i've always been very good at english sure Uh, i was reading at a very high level very young yeah but when you're dealing with that kind of thing in the classroom and that teacher that did that was my english teacher (sighs) so all of my papers were graded down so i did better in my english classes there sure but then you ended up with different kinds of things such as they told me i was going to go to hell for listening to kanye west jesus walks Meanwhile, they are listening to Ozzy Osbourne. And I'm like, one of these people bit the head off a bat. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's crazy. That, wow. I, I went to, I also went to, I went to Christian school, but I went for tons of years. I went from kindergarten through like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And with, with like year long stints in public school where I did really well. But my parents were so religious. They wanted, they wanted me to go to the, Christian school for the religiousness. Like that was a big part of it. Cause they, they, I mean, I, but I really, I drank the Kool-Aid. So when you were little, you didn't drink the Kool-Aid. You didn't, you weren't like, wow, this Christianity thing is it. I have always been a believer in God. Uh-huh. My parents are from vi- divergent uh, religious backgrounds. My mother is a devout Baptist. Ooh. My father is agnostic, if not atheist. Okay. And both of my parents always challenged me to seek my own answers and to look into every religion to find what truths there were, because there are good and bad in everything. Right. Right. And some, and it's all perspective. Like Mm -hmm. some things that we think like someone else are like, that's evil, but it's like, not for me. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's hard. So you don't, you strike me as a very like upstanding and moral person. You, You don't. Do you think that that was a result of a religious upbringing or did it, was it more like, did it have anything to do with religion or absolutely? Okay. Absolutely. My faith is very close to who I am. I, my, (gasps) I keep that very close and it, it affects almost all of the decisions I make good and bad. When I make a, when I make a morally questionable decision, I definitely, definitely realize that that's a mark against me in my karmic and dharmic path. What's a recent moral ambiguity or difficulty you had where you were like my my life focus or my my belief system is being put into play right now do you remember 
Yeah, and I will be honest, I failed my belief system. Oh. Um, what ended up happening is I was, I needed to move out of the place that I was living because mm. the relationship between myself and my roommates was not good. Mm. And it wasn't conducive to what I needed to do on my career path. Sure. But unfortunately, I couldn't afford to really move out. Uh-huh. And it's so it's, it's, it's this barrier. It's so hard. I ended up leaving them after they took my deposit and my safety. I ended up leaving them with a $500 bill. Oh, that's not that bad. No, but, but they took your security deposit. Then you, then there was a wash. Well, no, they took the security deposit. And then after that, they had to foot a $500 bill. Oh, and yeah, that sucks, but that's still putting a burden on someone else. That's yeah. still not something that you should do as a moral and just person. Uh-huh. I was just in a really bad situation and I've been in a very bad mental place. And so it's just compounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the answer to your question. Gotcha. Yeah. And you just were like, well, that I can't afford to, it's so hard. Living here is so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a living situation that I, I can't, well, I, I, I live with my significant other, but I can't live with roommates anymore because it's like doing that compromises my belief system. No, it's just, it's so hard to live with other people like crumbs on the counter. Mm. (laughs) I get like crazy. It's like living with people is so hard. It would constantly test my moral boundaries. It it is definitely always easier to live with someone who you maul their genitals every now and again. Yeah, exactly. It's much easier. Well, cause then also you can, it's, you're more open to discuss things. I've had roommate situations where we've communicated in like sticky notes and it's so passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's like awful. It's just so uncomfortable. Like once you sort of stop an open communication and then it, you put like a little barrier on it, it's like everything gets so uncomfortable. The only time sticky notes has ever worked was when my roommates and I were working completely desperate schedules. Oh. And even then... Sticky notes only worked for like cleaning and stuff. The interpersonal stuff you've yeah, got to talk about. Ah, interpersonal stuff so hard. Mm-hmm. You are such a good singer. When did you? Well, where you. did you learn how to sing? Because you, I was telling the audience before you got here that you guest hosted Happy Hour and you write these songs and you're so, the songs are so funny and you're such a good singer. Thank you. I've been singing my whole life, but you know. That was the second Christian school that I went to through middle school was where I really got most of my training. And that's where I met with a lot of differences and a lot of gray and moral ambiguity. And that's really what cemented my faith in the path. One of the reasons I was excited to come out here was shout out to Memphis Harding Academy. Go Lions. Uh, (laughs) Right on. But um, we had a my choral teacher there. His name was Mr. Chester. And he, he was a great teacher, had an anger problem, was funny to watch because I didn't piss him off. But He'd was, yell at kids. Yell at kids. He once yanked a kid up. There was a, wow. They, they put him on uh, mood stabilizers way before I got there after he lifted a chair and threw it through a glass window at a student. What? Christian how? school gets crazy, baby. <laughs> how, how could they keep that person employed? The Christ, I mean... Wow. For one, he's a very good teacher. For two, for two, kids act the fuck up. I know, but I used to teach, and I can't imagine that if a teacher threw a... I would feel so unsafe. I'd be so nervous. I'd cry. I'd it was the mid-80s when he did this. Wow. Well, you look really young then. Jesus. No, it was when it, mid-80s when he threw oh, the glass. I went... You he was just... Went, he had a long tenure. I see. And he was a really, really good choral 
director. Yes. And it was, he made the kids sing like little angels. I'm trying to imagine, because I taught, I taught in the nine, I taught in the nineties. Um, I taught 97 to 2001, uh, junior high and high school. And I, I, kids have thrown desks at me, but I can't imagine ever. You can't tell me there's not one little nigga, that, little motherfucker. You just want to knock him well, in the head. Well, I mean, I don't think, have I ever laid my hands on a child? I didn't, I didn't ask as if a you nanny, did. As a nanny, <laughs> as a nanny, there have been some crying babies and I've never shaken a baby, but you can shiver them a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. look them in the face and give them a little shiver. Come on. And I've, I've done that to kids, I think. But and trying to think of in the classroom context. If I've ever done that, I've tap danced on a desk to mm. keep kids' attention, and I've jumped, I've jumped up on the, I'd be like, nobody's listening, and I've jumped up on my desk and done a little tap dance. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm trying to think. I think that I've always been so afraid of that the kids were going to say something about me, anyways, or something that I would never. I don't know. The '90s were a different time, though. Yeah, and it was a different time for all of these these teachers. Yeah, I can't. What do you What do you I, What do you do for a job? I actually work at American Conservatory Theater. I work in their education department. So you know Jill McLean? Yes. Yeah, she is one of my oldest and dearest friends. Oh wow! Yeah. She's fantastic. She, she was in my first wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we've known each other for years. I was, she went to, in San Diego, she got her MFA in musical theater, and we used to hang out when I was down there in San Diego, too. We did tons of plays together when we were little. Oh, wow. I mean, in our 20s or whatever. That's so funny. She's in the and office now right her last name line. is Heavey. Mm-hmm. Right? She got married. I was, at her, I was at her wedding. It was a great wedding. Oh, boy. It was really fancy. Nice. It was really fun. Anyway, she's she's rad. That's what you do at ACT. I'm work. I'm the school and community programs associate. Cool. So I'm just learning the like hips and gips of everything. And, and you're gonna go into classrooms and you're gonna teach theater. Hopefully, we're kind of in a bit of a flux now. I don't know if you know, but ACT is being sued. What? Yes. Why? Are you uh, allowed to talk about it? Probably not. I am allowed to talk about it oh. as long as I don't go off the letter, so hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble. <laughs> but we're getting sued for racial discrimination. Really? Mm-hmm. In there was... actors or in the in directors? In I mean racial discrimination. Okay. The answer I'm gonna give is that it runs deep and fierce through San Francisco, and ACT as a San Francisco institution is a reflection of its area. Sure. Wow. Racial discrimination. Mm-hmm. Racism I, out here is weird. I, I yeah. Well, I I know race. God, it's. I realized recently that I was that I was raised super super racist, and I didn't even know. I didn't even know for years. I didn't even know, and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's pervasive. Mm-hmm. And even now, like, it's uh, th- that it's so pervasive but now it's like out there like like a jack-in-a-box puppet like waving around it's like look at me i'm racism i'm still here what would i do and we're not even really doing anything about it we're just kind of going yep there it is but what's but there it doesn't seem to be affecting change well i personally have a weird history with it coming from the south and moving out here so i have a distinction that i like to make is racism versus bigotry oh so bigotry is an issue. Everyone's racist. Ah. So bigotry is the idea that because of my cultural background, 
I am in power and I belong over you. So bigotry is synonymous with supremacy. Yeah. Racism is more like Chinese people like rice. <laughs> you know. Right. It's just a statement of fact. It's the well, it's the stereotypes. <laughs> stereotypes. So it's right. when you and, sure, and we have sure, so sure, many sure, and they're sure. so pervasive through right. our lives. Yes. They're gonna pop up. Sure. I know I got into a conversation with a director once about how I don't eat Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben's because they're sl- it's they're slave images. Sure, sure. And his answer mammy, to me, the mammy and the sure. Mm-hmm. He goes, but, but it's good syrup. Oh. And so you have to you have to make people feel like, yeah, you're a little racist, but you know we can still have a conversation. If as soon as I say you're racist, you have to defend yourself. Sure. We can't get past the conversation well, to deal just, with the root of that racism. I usually just go, yep totally racist i'm like the accidental racist i Mm -hmm. say things all the time and i'm like that was really racist but at least i like acknowledge it and then try to learn from it then try to it's the same thing with like pronouns Mm -hmm. i feel like let people be empowered to choose what i mean i like to identify as a cat like meow but whatever pronoun you want is fine and and i and i support that and for a while it was difficult for me to get on board just because i couldn't remember and i was like blah blah blah. it was like if it's important to them, it's important to them. And that should be important to me that it's important to them. I'm not going to, I can't, once I know about it to ignore it or try not to like work with it. That's where the bigotry I think comes in. If you, but if you're like, wow, that's okay. I acknowledge that I'm working on it. I learned cool. And like, I grew up in a very binary world and it was, it's been difficult to me to wrestle with. Yeah. yeah. It was a very, uh, I keep, I still flub up. It's my weakest point as an ally, Hmm. but, uh, I, I did some praying and a lot of searching You pray, and and I went to, and I, I had to go back to my moral base about it. And the truth of the matter for me, it changed my image of God in that conversation because if God made all of us in their image, sure. And we have two sexes. That means God is non-binary. Oh, exactly. Well, that yeah, because if God, if we're all made in God's image, then God is there. God is genderless. Yeah, God is genderless. So that means, of course, people made in a genderless image, a, a genderless being's image. Of course, some of them would identify on a spectrum from sure. binary to binary. Sure, sure, right. Uh, hey, that was, that's, that's, that's like, cause I, it bothers me so much in, I, I was, I was super, super Christian and really, really believed it for a long time. And a lot of my bigotry and entitlement kind of came from that, that I'm chosen by God and I'm special. And if you, if you don't, if you don't believe what I believe, then you're going to die. Aren't you going to be okay? I have to tell you about this. Um, but, oh, I lost myself. Where was I going? Sorry. It's okay. Something it about religion. It's, it really does. Oh, point I remember that, that because all of these crazy bad things happened in the name of religion. And I was like, how can this, how can this be like the homophobia and the me? And they were so like being gay is bad and wrong. Like it's a disease and being taught that as a child is like, woof. And when you believe it's because that's what they tell you. And then that's all like inside you. And then you go, wait a minute, none of this is true. And so 
I kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I was like, when I started seeing the hypocrisies in the church and all that stuff, I was just like, and goodbye. Whereas there's, you know, I don't have to be so hyperbolic about it. That people who are Christians aren't all bad. Right. My mother's <laughs> yeah. one of the best people I know, and she's a devout Christian. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so I get lost sometimes. I'm like, ugh. I understand. Christians, but only because the hypocrisy I've seen with so many. and I did the same thing for a while. I was the, I used to go to church and specifically read Star Wars books <laughs> during the sermon because I felt it had the exact same weight. Oh. Now, unfortunately, I started listening to the sermons while reading Star Wars books and realized that Star Wars is a very, very religious story. It's, yeah. it's the religion of sci-fi where Star Trek is the science. Sure. But Star Wars religion is based off of Tibetan Buddhism and uh, Shaolin Kung Fu. Wow. And so I went along that path. Sure. And then started reading. I believe in the force. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's in everything. <laughs> I believe in the force. If, but if you get a chance, Thomas Paine is really oh, what uh-huh. changed the life for me. Thomas Paine, the mm-hmm. old school guy from like the 1700s. Mm-hmm. He's oh, one wow. of our American founders. Wow. Yeah. Well, that all people are equal. Yeah. Yeah. And the, except that that was written in a time of, of slavery, where, but that's capitalism. Like <laughs> but Thomas Paine was also an abolitionist. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, good. I just um, learned that um, the very first ad ever taken out in a magazine, not a newspaper, but a magazine, was by uh, Benjamin Franklin, and he was inquiring about the uh, a runaway slave. Mm-hmm. And it was in a magazine article, and I'm like, what? But that's capitalism loves free labor. Capitalism mm-hmm. loves not paying for labor. They're like, oh, I don't have to pay for labor? That makes me make more money. Woohoo! So... And that's why socialism is the next step, because socialism is, socialism is capitalism uh, reined in. Sure. Well, because we people are people and we should take care of them, shouldn't mm-hmm. we? Like what makes that? That's the, one of those things about like entitlement and religion and what makes one person somehow better than another. And I feel like for a lot of people, religion gives them that, like saying, it's okay, you are, you get to believe that you're better than other people. That's true. Yeah, but that's the, that's... That's why we have in our preamble, all men are created equal. Sure. And just like Dr. King said, that wasn't something that they said about that time. That was a promissory note to future generations that that is what America is supposed to be. Right. Misogynistic. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. Where's the women? Equitable. Equitable. No, I'm, I'm totally down with <clears throat> like... I'm totally down with socialism. I'm totally down with, I'm down with like 50% taxes, like Sweden. Mm-hmm. I'm totally down with it. I'm Sweden has this jail system. That's so awesome. They like actually, it's rehabilitative a, it's and really you go out, you literally leave jail with a bank account. Yeah. It's, I mean, cause if you're with labor, that's, we just, it's the new slavery is, is our incarceration system because we make them work and pay them nothing. That was the entire point behind it. We made it, we made a bunch of felony laws right after reconstruction, after they shot Lincoln in the back of the head in order to recapture all the newly freed slaves. Oh, that's so crazy. Uh, You know that, um, the California wildfires were primarily fought by inmates because Mm -hmm. our, our, um, firefighters were just woefully understaffed and so they used inmates out fighting fires and i'm like and they train the inmates but it's so dangerous and they only make like 17 cents an hour or Mm -hmm. something insane and it's like 
how do we how do we say we're a Christian moral nation and yet we have like legalized slavery <laughs> because we've never we were never supposed to two common misconceptions about America we were never supposed to be a democracy and we were never supposed to be a Christian nation really this is yeah America and to the republic for right, which it for stands. Which stands sure that's what we're a republican government and the republicans God. are doing a very good job of continuing that republican ideal sure. we should be a democracy right i mean it, it, you would think that if we can vote for american idol uh, that we should be able to, and everyone's vote counts, that we should be able to vote for our president and have our vote count. Because the electoral college, I feel like, is just another... If there wasn't an electoral college, we wouldn't have any Republican presidents. The electoral college is the primary weapon of American patriarchy. Oh, wow. Where'd you go to school? You're so smart. Harding Academy. Harding Academy. What is that? That was my secondary school. I learned most of what huh. I know through my time at Memphis Harding Academy. I went to the Academy of Art College uh, for, I went to the Academy of Art for college, right. but most That's of what expensive. I know, I learned from Memphis Harding Academy. Academy of Thought. Yeah. It's very expensive. It's an evil school. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's like $20,000 a quarter or something mm -hmm. now. Which There's a 96% dropout rate in the first year. What? Just because of finances? Finances, um, stress. It's a very difficult art school. You learn a lot about doing your art. Huh. You won't learn English or math, but you will learn how to do your art. Sure. Wow. It also has a high suicide rate. Wow. They own so much land in the city. Mm -hmm. um, but that's another thing that creates entitlement is education. Like we're saying, we have this American dream ideal thing that if you go to college... And you, or you get a master's degree, everything's going to be okay. Education is the key. And we used to put education under lock and key and make it so that only certain people could afford it. And it, and now it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, you could go online and you could. Education is a path to freedom, but the, the public school system is another thing that people don't talk about. The, the first American public schools were created after reformation in order to educate those freed slaves who were not allowed to have education. So they've always been underfunded. Wow. There's always been a charter school system in this country for that private elite. And the goal of the education department has been to break down those walls. Wow. Unfortunately, under every Republican administration, they've built new walls after every other administration. Actually, I won't say every Republican administration. I'll say every modern Republican administration because the original Republicans were Whigs and the Republicans were originally called the Democratic Republicans. Well, that's we used here to have, there. and in the 1842 or whatever, we had yeah. like 14 different parties. Mm. We had the Copperheads and the anti-Nebraskans. I have no idea why anybody would be anti-Nebraska. I'm like, okay. There was one of them. I don't know why anybody would be pro-Nebraska pro either. Nebraska. But, you know. They're anti-Nebraskans. Another one was the, um, the pro-bank Democrats mm -hmm. and the anti-renters something and i was like wow that sounds like now but we only now that we only have a two-party system it's that it's we keep i mean we just keep dividing and separating mm -hmm. and there's it's a spectrum there should be a there is a political spectrum we just only identify these two poles we need a serious overhaul yeah. of the american legislature uh, yeah because the most powerful body in our american government is the legislature and we have put all the pressure on the president well the thing is the he our president right now has a whole he's 
got a bunch of cabinet idiots and they actually change everything and negotiate peace and do all this crazy stuff. Those crazy unqualified cabinet people. Our president now is, this is a, this is a controversial statement. He is no more detrimental to our overall status as Americans, our overall wealth as Americans than any other president has been in our time. He's, he, he's just been, he's just an asshole and he's ruining our name abroad. Uh, but he, and, but there's been no president, at least in my lifetime, that has done what needs to be done on American infrastructure mm. and on American education. Right. And that's because they have all been ham-handed ever since the Dixiecrats sure. within the legislature. Right. We've got, I mean, things have, things have got to change. But uh, how, I mean, how do we, how do we affect change? And how do we, what's right and wrong? So, for example... All these abort, anti-abortion laws are happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's evil. I think that limiting a woman's ability to have control of her own body as a human rights issue. It's not just evil. It's anti-American. Right. And I think that's evil. But the people who are, I had someone, I had an eight-year-old boy child hand me a pamphlet the other day with a dead baby on the front and his parents were there and they were like, you know, being all anti-abortion and, uh, and pro pro-life ex- except pro fetus, except when it's born, you're like, fuck that kid. But, um, they're, they think I'm evil. Mm-hmm. Like they're it's, so it's crazy because it's so polarized, but they think that what I think, like we believe the exact opposite thing. That, that people are still haggling over gay marriage and gay, gay rights, LGBTQ issues, et cetera, that the president says no transgender people in the military, all of the, that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's evil because it goes against their right as a human. And people, they're like, no, they're it's a lifestyle choice and they're evil. So like, how can we affect change when our people are so polarized? I mean, there's a lot of things that, that can be done and should be done. One of them, Pam, run for office. <laughs> like, no one would vote for me. You think that. <laughs> you already have. You have a community behind you. You have a comedy community behind you. They would never vote for me. Organize the community. <laughs> stand out. That's all. That That's just one thing I'm saying. Nato Green should run for, for office. He's he's a comic that people would get behind because he's yeah. always been political. Right. I, I don't I don't think that. I don't think that anyone would vote for me because I'm too radical because I'd be like, because I feel uh, sometimes running for office isn't about winning. Sometimes it's about bringing up an issue and making them talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I have such a problem with the questionably housed in this city and how we treat them and that they're not people that there's people living on, I, on the street. And this is San Francisco for God. And everyone's like, eh, there's poo on the street. Why is there poo in the street? I'm like, it's because nobody has a place to poo. That's because no one has a place <laughs> to poo. But yeah, basically it starts with, you've got to get everybody around one issue that we can all agree on. Yeah. An issue like there's too much shit in the streets. Right. Which is what London Breed did. She, she gathered people around the idea of homelessness. Unfortunately, I don't like London Breed because the way that she decided to deal with homelessness was to criminalize it. Yeah, that's not fair. You can't, I mean, we have to, we have to come from a, a system but it's housing. Of, Isn't jail housing? Mm. I mean, it's, but it's also, as we said, free labor and slavery. Yeah. But if, and that, why can't we, prof- I just can't understand why we can't provide housing for people. I feel like if someone has a tent, 
and they're willing, like, why can't we give them a yurt or why can't we take old buses and turn them into apartments and stack them on top of each other and make a barbecue pavilion in the center. You know what? Here's a a bathroom. I, I, Yang gang. I'm about Andrew Yang. I'm about UBI. I love Andrew Yang. But what, here's an idea that the city can do. Mm. Why don't we tax all of these tech companies that are here and then with the money that we take from that tax, use it to renovate all of these closed storefronts wow. that are in the area into housing for these people yeah. and use that as their UBI and then pass a UBI out only to those people in San Francisco who follow under uh, protected income classes, such as teachers, firefighters, police officers, those jobs that can't afford to actually live in the city. They need a uniform. They need a basic income provided by these tech companies that are pricing them out. I, Hey, amen. Why don't you run for government? Because no one will trust me because I'm a black man. I'm a straight black man in San Francisco. I I mean, I can't imagine. You're so intelligent and and good looking and I Thank feel you. like you just you just have to change your hair a little bit and they'd be fine with you sorry I, I have to have my dreadlocks <laughs> yeah. or people think I'm Spanish <laughs> because race has have you been aware have people been making you aware of the color of your skin like since you were is it it's always been my third grade book report was the autobiography of Malcolm X oh wow all right. My mother's an ex-Panther. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. She went from wow. Black Panthers to Black Baptists. Wow. And kept all of these same ideals. Wow. You, you really should run for office. I'd vote for you. Yeah. You. I'd follow you. You'd be like a good mayor because you actually, I also believe in universal basic income. There's a, there's a place, it's actually, it makes absolute sense. There's an empty building at Powell and it's the Halliday Plaza thing and it used to have a camera store in it and right now even downstairs it used to have a a restaurant that closed and whatever it already has bathrooms Mm -hmm. because it's like it was an office building how difficult would it be to take an uninhabited building and turn it into a housing and what's the problem like and quite honestly if you're worried about how much it's going to cost just look at japan uh, they have japanese hotel buildings that's basically just a bed right it's just a slot in the wall like you're on a marine boat. You could fit most of the homeless in two, three buildings. Sure. Yeah. I mean, not that we'd want people to live in tiny little pod coffins. That's not but what I want. No, but I know, if but you're a conservative could. and your problem is the money, because if yeah. you're an actual conservative, your problem should be the money. And then that'll get me into the military industrial complex later. But Do you, do you consider yourself an activist? Uh... I'm like Huey from the boondocks. I'm retired. <laughs> I, I used to have to fight a lot when I was in school. My friend in, in uh, preschool, Kyle and I, were the first two black kids at our school. We were the ones who integrated that. So I've been doing this wow. for a while. Wow. I just, I, I've never, it was funny because where I, I grew up in Danville, which is a very wealthy community, and, um, <laughs> and we had four african-american kids in my entire school that's what his looks like right now <laughs> in the entire school it was like 1600 kids and there were four mm-hmm. and it was like wow one of them was randy Wynn, and he actually became a baseball player and played for the um, mlb oh wow yes cool but it was like he was always in the spotlight because how could he not be he was black like there mm-hmm. were there were no black there were no black kids they always do that it was a weird thing um 
one of the things they did at ECS, the Christian school, was we didn't have Black History Month. We had Multicultural Awareness Day. Wow. Where they just took all the colored kids and prided them in front of the school in traditional garb. What? And had you speak about like history. And I'm just like, uh. Wow. So they put little Asian girls in the little Chinese silk dresses and had them with the little. You're assuming we had any Asians. I didn't see an Asian until high school. Really? Yeah. There's no Asians in the South? Oh, they're I, there. They're I mean, there. actually, surprisingly, uh, Florida has a giant population of Chinese speaking, of Spanish speaking Chinese people. People because Venezuela has a large Chinese population. Crazy. Um, I met a comedian from um, Texas who is um, Chinese American, but it's funny because he spoke with the Southern. It's so mm-hmm. funny to hear someone have a Texas accent and you're just not expecting it at all. You're like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, you sound like you're from the South. Why don't you sound like you're from the South? You don't have any accent. Um, besides the fact that both my parents weren't going to have that shit. Oh. When I first started <laughs> acting, I did have a slight Southern draw. And they were like, listen, you have two choices. Get rid of it or speak with cork in your mouth. Wow. Because wait, where you get that sudden draw from is you just don't relax your throat. You don't actually open your mouth all the way and you just is relaxing into it. Is it because it's laziness? Mm, it's not laziness. Southern? See, people often, often think that Southerners are lazy. <laughs> it's just we're not in a rush to get there because it's not like it's going to get up and go away. Huh. Wow. So you just learned, you just learned how to speak correctly through acting. So do you have an acting degree? Yes, uh, I have an associate's from acting. Cool. And what brought you to comedy from acting? Was it a natural thing? All or? the way around. Comedy put me into acting. I have wanted to do stand-up as long as I've been speaking. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I've stu- I studied comedy as a child, and when I, I, I used to watch the Marx Brothers at 2 a.m. when I was like five wow. with my big brother. You, wa- you always wanted to do stand-up. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, but so, and you, but you were like, oh, I can memorize things and I can act. I should act. Well, uh, Robin Williams did stand up to get roles. And I also was like, you know what? I should like be able to eat. And it's a lot harder to feed yourself doing stand up than it is acting. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Cause everybody thinks they can do stand up. (laughs) Acting has people who tell you, no, no, nigga, sit down. (laughs) Wow. That's really funny. I have a, I also have a, I have, I have my original degrees in theater. Mm-hmm. My BA is in theater and I did a lot of, I did a lot of theater. I did a lot of stage managing and directing, dancing. I did a lot of musical theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, but I never, I never experienced enough success at it to think that I could actually like make, I mean, I owned a theater company for years, but I, I didn't make any money (laughs) i never i was like after four years of running the company i was like what am i doing uh, but now i have this place and it's the same thing where i'm like what am i doing i'm not making any money um but i used i used to love theater and i found it artistically fulfilling but it's like so ephemeral and there's no product after it's gone yeah, I that's one thing I appreciate about theater and I I try to bring that to some of my stand up. Mm. But it's 
Once a it's plays a white over, world. Once it plays over, though, you don't even it's you don't even you've memorized it, but then it's gone. It's like you don't even it's like it's something that's so intense that you're a part of for a certain amount of time. And then the whole thing is just like. Isn't that life, though? A half life of a memory. But there, but there's no like, I mean. It's like the Buddhist concept of a mandala. I've spent so much time creating this beautiful image. I'm going to look at it and sweep it away because nothing is permanent. Yeah, that's very like Burning Man-esque. Like, I'm going to build it and I'm going to burn it. But I don't know. I feel like I want to have a more of a lasting impact with my art. Is it, is the moment enough in theater that like, I feel like theater's dying. Mm. Theater's di- theater is dying, but it's not dying because people don't want it. It's dying because people aren't willing to let it be what it wants to be. Hmm. Theater is trying to change and evolve, and those who are holding the keys are trying to rear it back like a Doberman on the chain. But it's like, I feel like it's, when I say it's it's dying, is that people are all looking at their phones. They, they want to be entertained, but they want to be entertained right now. Mm-hmm. I don't even think people like, really like going to movie theaters anymore. It's like everything is just me and my phone or my tablet and my or my computer screen whenever I want it and it's well here's the thing you have to change the way you do theater so let's say ACT this this none of this is in the works don't let me don't let me think I'm gonna use a different theater all right so (laughs) let's say strand the magic theater The magic theater yes they uh, develop an app and you come into the theater and they do a show that is set in the Wild West and you have people from people speaking all the languages that would have been spoken in the Wild West with people not being able to understand each other. And the way you follow the play is through the subtitles that they send you on your phone. Huh. See, that's cool. You just have to think about the way the medium is changing and go with it. Huh. People thought lights were going to kill theater because theater was always done outside. Uh, sure. So, yeah, I mean, it, it changed... With the time, but do people, do people, you still think people want to sit down and have like a visceral theatrical experience? I do. I think most theater is based on Shakespeare and we need to look for other inspiration. Right. What's your, who's, who's your favorite uh, playwright? Do you have one or do you have a favorite play? Uh, mm, I do not have a real favorite play. Huh. Just because that's one of the th- reasons I left theaters because I kept getting exposed to all these same people. Edward Albee. Um, I love Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. I love, love, love that play. And I love, love, uh, because they get so drunk in it. If they do that play right, you, it's tough. You have to, the, just the blocking alone with how many times you have to go to the bar and pour a drink. It's mm-hmm. like unbelievable, which I just love. Um, cause I love alcohol and then I, I also Jean-Paul Sartre's no exit. I love, love, love that play. I love, love, love it. But I haven't seen, and that's I'm, not true. I was in a play last weekend. So I have seen theater recently. I will say I'm always impressed with David, David Mamet's adaptations. Sure. I like David Mamet too. Yeah. He inspired me originally because 
uh, I read one of his plays and I'm like, you can say fuck that many times in a play. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross or whatever. I was like, what the fuck? This is great. I was very inspired. And, um, a life in the theater is another good one that Mamet wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've always liked David Mamet quite a bit. I used to really, really be into theater. Yeah. And now I'm just like, Hey, it seemed like a lot of work for not a lot of payoff. You know, like all the props and all the sets and all the costumes and all the rehearsal time, and the memorizing and then the lighting kit and then the production and you have to be there early and then you have this and then you have notes and the whole thing. And oh God, there were only five people there. And then there's marketing, all that. Like it's just, and then you're done and it's just done. It's like at least, at least when you eat like, food from a chef or you prepare something like that and artistically at least you get a poop after you know you're mm-hmm. like oh, there oh that is. was satisfying right so it's like you create it you consume it and then you're like oh that's that's what it was but i don't know like i don't know it's amazing that you're still doing theater and that you're what do you feel like the benefit for children is in theater mm well, see, that's the thing I was about to say. I'm not really doing theater as much anymore because I want to concentrate more on my stand-up. Because yeah. while everyone else was reading all these plays and, and they're like, oh, I love this person. I was like, I was studying different comedians. Sure. I wanted to know how this comic got that kind of laugh. What was that act out? Sure. And I just let that inform my theater choices ah. as opposed to the other way around. And I'll tell anybody who wants to get into acting, do not get an acting degree, get a degree in anything else, and then take an acting class. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my theater degree doesn't really... I mean, I taught. I taught for a couple of years, and that was... I've seen you perform. It informs your performance. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I definitely... I mean, yeah, I would say that being comfortable on stage is... I mean, but stand-up is... is I'm bummed that it took me so long to find it. It, it, it it's upsetting to me that it I didn't start till I was 36 mm-hmm. I can understand because it's like I feel like if I would have paid attention to it when I was younger things could have been different like your your whole life's ahead of you what's the so you want to you want to like have a comedy central special that's like your thing you you're, you're you want to see yourself on where do you see yourself what's your like the, comic aspiration I want to be an empire yeah, but the the main goal right now is uh, I want to bring something like in living color back. I want to do like laugh in. Cool. Yeah. And I feel like now is a time that people would appreciate something like that. And with the way that the internet is set up, right? You can have a time. A, yeah, I know this. The, the future is now. All this. All this computer stuff scares me. Like, I just can't, I can't get, I can't evolve with the times. And then I get angry because I'm like, I'm not evolving with the times. But (laughs) you're already evolving with the times. You've created this. This is, this is part of that evolution because people are going back to podcasts and radio. So now it's just about seeing, going back to the past to figure out what your next step is. Because we're in a new golden age of entertainment. Everything that that worked on original radio will work now, and everything that worked in old Hollywood will work now. Because <laughs> we just have to keep reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had a fleeting thought, and then I forgot it again. Gosh darn it! I was gonna oh, I was gonna connect something. You, are you a product of No Child Left Behind? Yeah, you went to school. You, with Bush was president when yes. you were growing up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no child left behind. How come you still have? It's that was that one school because I feel like that no child left behind thing was a calling of critical thought from our education system to mm-hmm. make people dumb like they are right now and staring at their phones and stuff. Um, but you seem to have avoided that. Uh, that's because of my parents a lot of times. And then I had a lot of my critical thought comes from going back to the talk about God, my Bible classes. Whoa. Many of my Bible classes through my time at Memphis Harding Academy dedicated one day a week to critical debate of theology and theory. Wow. Mm hmm. So they made you question. I know that I like that about Judaism too, that they, they they want you to question and they're into questioning. Wow. And so you had to affirm or deny either side of the, mm-hmm. either side of the coin. And they always, they uh, put me on the secular side a lot. Do you, do you believe in an afterlife? I believe in reincarnation. Oh, really? Uh, so the, the, the heart of the question is what faith I am. It's deism, which is deism. a belief that the only book of God is the world that he was give, that he gave us. Huh. So the wind, the trees, the water, that's the book of God. And the way you further your understanding of the Lord is through understanding the nature that he gave you through science, math, and exploration. Wow. That's the actual founding religion of our nation. Wow. That's why science was supposed to be so important to us. Right. And so science has, and I'm, I'm loosely pulling from this law cause I'm not a scientist. We'll say it. I'm not a scientist, but the law of conservation of energy and mass, mm. nothing can be created or destroyed, only redistributed sure. and changed. Right. So I just applied that same law to the human soul. Oh my goodness. So, but then humans are ex we're exponentially growing our, our population is like exponential growth mm-hmm. if what are people sharing souls now well i mean like is it because the, there's if we're i do believe that there's a there's probably a little bit of einstein and a little bit of hitler and everybody at this point like it's just as you die you spread oh interesting um you said something earlier about Star Trek versus Star Wars, mm-hmm. and um, it makes me think philosophically about a concept called um, metaphysics, where if, and, and also Plato in his concept of thought, like mm-hmm. if you think something, it's real. So, and metaphysically, when we look at uh, Star Trek, when they used that flippy, flippy device, the cell phone was basically created, mm-hmm. but we just had to back technology to the idea and it's it's so the idea that whatever you've thought of it exists it exists absolutely and that in the future it you know if whatever when when we watch movies and everyone's doing this and the swiping on nothing because it's a holographic screen or whatever that's coming yeah they're already working on it. it's supposed to be like a diamond screen into your phone that projects against itself and then bounces up crazy times but so and even even back uh, when princess leia was like help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope like holograms you know and then now we can like have con or who's the have um tupac do a concert mm-hmm. <laughs> but so everything so in that same way religiously or what all of that thought exists in is real too we just have to sort of back technology like so if everyone sort of thinks that there's a God, there's gotta be a God, right? Like how could we all think there's a God if there's no God? I mean, sorry, that, that's a, that's a great way of expressing it. I never thought of it that way, but that's also how gods are created in Dungeons and Dragons. And so that kind of made me laugh, but yeah. Um, 
So Basically, Star Trek or Star Wars mm-hmm. is like the version of, you know, that religion. It's real. That the force is real. We just have to, you know, back the story up to it. But then the same thing with Star Trek, like all the sciencey things that we think are real. Right. Well, it's actually funny. Uh, when in talking about Star Wars, I, I know a lot about this world. In, in before Disney threw out all of the continuity, the way that the Jedi were created was similar to the way Plato wanted a perfect world. A group of philosophers and scientists got together to explore the deep thought of who we are and where we came from, and that's how they discovered the connection with the Force. Wow. Why did Disney throw out the continuity? Because there's way too much of it. Basically, they were just like, we can't just film all the stuff that you already know, so we're going to just scrap all of that and then take some of the coolest bits and try to make something new. Right. Um, the third, the the last Jedi was a, a pile of dog shit. I don't know if that offends you or hurts you in any way. Uh, Solo was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the other one that they came out with where they stole the plans Rogue and one. beamed it up. The, the pre, mm-hmm. the pre, yeah, pre, Rogue pre, One. Yeah, Rogue One. God, that one was great. So I was like, Disney, you're killing it. But that last, the last one was like, well, first it's sad because I love Carrie Fisher, but the acting was so bad. Mark Hamill, I'm like, how, how are you so, what is happening here? And like the dialogue, I was like, what, why, why is this movie happening? Listen, sometimes sand, it, it gets in everything. It's coarse and no one likes it. Look, the, I enjoyed The Last Jedi. Oh, I kidding? really did because it is this Luke Skywalker has no character arc from the end of episode six. Right. That's what they're saying. He's the same guy because he's the same whiny little farm boy that he was in episode four. <laughs> and that's why. And Mark Hamill is a fantastic actor. But if you ever see him in the Giver, if you give him a bad script, there's only so much he can do. You know, though, the problem with that last Jedi, it was that... Um, Kylo Ren, what's the point? What's the point? Or the fight? I'm talking like, wh- wh- why? Why does he want to? I couldn't. I'm like, he was a whiny little baby. I was mm-hmm. like, what is this movie? I just couldn't believe that he kills his dad for like no reason, and then he's like out to kill everybody. Oh, he had a he had a reason for killing his dad. Why did he? Why did he? You know, no one should have ever killed Han Solo. I mean. I'm sure Harrison Ford would disagree with you, but the reason, on, from a character perspective, the reason he had to do it is he was trying to prove to himself that he was beyond redemption. But the whole point of Star Wars is no one's beyond redemption. And so that's why he had to keep trying to kill, to further himself beyond redemption. Huh. Well, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This Kylo Ren is ridiculous. Why is he? Why does he care? Like fucking stop it, man! They are making these movies for the deep nerds. I've met a, a, most of my deep, deep nerds are like, okay, I like this. I liked the um, I liked the little owl creatures, the little arc of them with Chewie. I thought that was super cute. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I was like, ugh. and sometimes I do my hair like Ray with the three little ponies because i was like that's a good hairdo but other than that i'm like storytelling is really lost in movies right now you think yeah i think the best stories are all coming out of television and cartoons really i watch a shitload of cartoons and there's some really really good stories coming out 
Shout out to Star versus the Forces of Evil. Yeah, tell me a cartoon I should watch. What is that again? Oh, I just said Star versus the Forces of Evil, which Star. is a fun Disney cartoon. Star. You would actually really like it. I love I, I love Disney. Yeah. I've always loved Disney. I, I eat that up. I fucking... I cry at like every Disney movie. Ralph breaks the internet. I cried. It's on Netflix right now. I'm like, oh my god. And the little the scene with the Disney princesses. I'm like, I just couldn't even. Don't I was, tell me I haven't seen it yet. I'm oh excited. god, it's so good. Yeah, the two things on Netflix right now that I would recommend are both cartoons. It's mm-hmm. the Spider Verse and Ralph breaks the internet. Both great, great films. Well, if you're on Netflix and you're looking for cartoons, I also strongly suggest Troll Hunters. Troll hunters yeah because okay. it's it's from the oscar-winning director guillermo del toro really yeah it's based off the book written by oscar-winning director guillermo del toro wow and it's a really interesting cartoon all right troll hunters single mom she's a doctor the the parents are supportive of their kids uh extracurriculars is what we'll call it yeah and it sets up a universe that has a new season coming out soon cool and nick offerman also does a voice on this show all right Mm -hmm. that's cool well i i love cartoons and stuff so deism Mm -hmm. everyone's souls and everything you're not worried about dying not scared uh not really no I mean, everyone, uh, I believe in the, the Plato's weighing of souls and the, the journey of Ur, where if you've been good, you get your choice of what you become reincarnated as. Oh. And if you've done more evil in the world or sowed more discontent, then you'll be punished for the amount of discontent that you've given. And then, then you'll get secondary choice. I sow a lot back. of discontent. I sow a lot of discontent. I don't mean to. It just happens. It ha- especially in this area. Like it San Francisco makes you evil. Happens. Yeah. How long have you been here? It's about a, a decade. Wow. Me yeah. too. It's so cool that you work with Jill. <laughs> because it's I know a small her. city. Yeah. Everybody knows world. everyone. Now. Everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is some call me Tim. Thanks for being here. Any other like closing remarks about religion or anything? Uh, if you want, if you want to have a fun exploration of faith and religion, get Thomas Paine's an age of reason and a Bible and a Bible and compare the two. Cause Thomas Paine just goes, this book is bullshit. This book is bullshit. You can get some good stuff out of this. This book is bullshit. And then he goes back and compares his own writings to a Bible and goes, so I was wrong. This book is also bullshit. And this book is also bullshit. So it's a good time. All right. And, um, plug upcoming shows what upcoming where can people see you do stand up right here at mutiny radio is where i'm doing most of my stuff right now so keep listening and you might hear me again yeah uh we have four open mics a week Mm -hmm. uh mondays fridays saturday sunday i need to come on one of the weekends i've just been so lazy with comedy I get in these weird spaces where it just becomes so vastly unfulfilling. That's why I went and did a play mm-hmm. like this last month, a piano fight. I did that short lived thing and I was like, Oh my God, I remember I love acting. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something out to you since this is your station. Yeah. Maybe you want to create a radio show, like a, an old style sitcom or a comedy yeah. show. Yeah. That, that way you can combine what you're doing with what you used to do. Yeah. Uh, and with like little tap shoes, tick, tick, tick. Mm-hmm. I remember that that cool old stuff. Well, and you know that's not a bad idea. I should um, submit ask ask people to submit scripts 
for shows because mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people write scripts and don't really don't talk have about any place it. to put don't it. Have any place to put it? I know, and this is a theater company without props and sets and costumes, so it makes it a lot easier. All you've got to do is be able to be like, right, right. <laughs> All of the little sound things get a soundboard. Awesome. Um, thank you, Mr. Holly, for coming in, and thanks for thank guest for hosting. Me happy hour last week you guys can listen to that download the most recent happy hour and hear your wonderful songs that they were it's they're so you're so funny thank you i really i really enjoy your your stage presence and stuff and actually i should um i'll have to book you on a show i'm not i'm booking now in september I'm available. All right. We'll get that done after this. Uh, this has been Some Call Me Tim. I'll put on a flat block plastic for you guys to listen to in the second hour here. And uh, hey, go read a Bible or something. <laughs> go read a Bible. Oh, oops. I'm a terrible person. DJs. Oh, I should put this on. This will be good.
Radio.fm, this is a flat black plastic show. Playing old style, flat black plastic, this round and full of grooves for you. From the public library, go to the public library, it's free.
case histories. Waterman's pens and Waterman's ink present Gangbusters. Everyone, a master writing instrument, and Waterman's ink, the ink that goes up to three times as far as ordinary inks, are proud to bring you gangbusters, presenting facts in the endless war of the police on the underworld. Facts that show the operation of our law enforcement officials in their work of protecting our citizens. Commissioner Louis J. Valentine, on leave as interviewer of gangbusters, has now arrived in Tokyo, where he is to serve at the personal request of General Douglas MacArthur. Waterman's expects to bring you his voice by shortwave in the near future. Meanwhile, gangbusters has asked Dr. Carlton Simon of New York City, internationally known criminologist, to narrate by proxy tonight's case. Well, Dr. Simon, I understand the criminal in tonight's case played a major part in the plot which led to a spectacular escape from Eastern Penitentiary last Easter. He did indeed, Don Gardner. This killer, Bow Wow Bowers, was cunning, shrewd, and merciless. His background must be of extreme interest to criminology, Dr. Simon. It certainly is, Don. For the soundest way to combat crime is to know how the criminal's mind thinks and works. So I'm going to start tonight's case at a summer resort on a large lake in Wayne County, Pennsylvania. After dinner, a young couple was seated on a porch swing, looking out over the lake, which was brightened to silver by a full moon. Scranton never was like this for us. No? I was never in Scranton. You'll have to come visit me sometime. She'd love my family. I guess I would, Peggy. If they're anything like you. <laughs> Look, baby, you and me, well, we made a lot of progress in three weeks. I... Yes, all right. Well, there's not many women I'd give a second look. Let alone kiss. Oh, oh darling. Yeah. Yes, all right. Well, there's not many women I'd give a second look. Let alone kiss. Kiss. Oh, darling. Yeah? Do you really have to leave? I'll be back, Peggy, in a day or so. Oh, don't go, please. Believe me, baby, there's nothing I'd like better than staying here with you, but... I got to leave as soon as Andy comes downstairs. Oh, that Andy. Why do you have a man like that working for me? He's handy to have around. Andy drives the car, carries my samples, knows a lot of people. I still don't care much for him. He takes you away from me. But I'll be back to When?
If this unclear Kablitu interval is made clear, the lyre is then in Kitmu tuning. And indeed, if we change the augmented fourth, five to two, into a perfect fourth by raising the lower string, then the new scale formed by this change is the scale that can be generated by starting a series of alternating fifths and fourths on the interval Kitmu, six to three. The unclear interval is five to two.
Your daughter home? <laughs> I am a living example of Dianetics. myself to be here this evening for a number of reasons. First, you know, this is the, the first time that Josh and myself have been on the West Coast for one thing in Los Angeles, California, uh -huh. and I'll tell you... I'll tell you, it's really something. 
you know, because we're from the east coast here of Lutonia, really, you know, in yeah, a little town called Belbik. And there's, uh, you know, such a difference between our hometown and Los Angeles, you know, it's almost funny. Oh, yeah, as well. <laughs> that, well, no, no yeah, it is. No, no, but it is funny um, almost. Um, not not quite, real funny, no. but almost funny. Not, not what we call a big yuck. No, not the big yuck, no. But enough for some chuckles, maybe. No, sure. You know, for an example, for let me just say, in Los Angeles, you know, the sun shines all the time, oh. except for some isolated weeks in the winter. But you know, and that's one difference. That's one difference. No, Antonio, the driving is so different, also. Oh, the driving. Yes. You know, not to mention the cops. Oh no, well we can't forget. The cops, no, you, those differences there. How could you forget those? No, we can't forget those, no question about it. But anyway, let's segue to this. You know, how many people out here, you know, know the, the, the great part? Anyway, let's segue to this. You know, real funny, no, but almost funny. Not, not what we call a big yuck. No, not the big yuck, no. But enough for some chuckles, maybe. No, sure. You know, Always for an example, for let me just say, in Los Angeles, you know, the sun shines all the time, oh. except for some isolated weeks in the winter. But you know, and that's one difference. That's one difference. No, Antonio, the driving is so different also. Oh, the driving? Yes. You know, not to mention the cops. Oh, no, well, we can't forget... The cops, no, you, those differences there. How could you forget those? No, we can't forget those, no question about it. But anyway, let's segue to this. Deuce, deuce, revival was my problem solver. Had a deaf girl, really didn't want to involve her. In the life of a gangster, used to rob banker. But now I'm locked up, I'm just a punk low rankster. Jail cells know me too damn well. Seems like I built on earth my own personal hell. No matter how I climb, somehow I always fell. Guess a lot of players got this story to tell. No matter how cold you roll, you simply cannot win. It's always fun in the beginning, but it's pain. Pain, pain, pain. Ever since I was a minor, but now I'm on the bricks, deep in the mix. Crime smart, searching hard for some new street tricks. I think I'll join a gang, sling a little cane, put a beeper on my belt and get myself a name. Fresh sneaker, silk shirts, 24-7 work, 9 to 5 to survive, you gotta be a jerk. I clocked too grand today, yes I was born to play. Who, me, at Nicky D's, it wouldn't work, no way. I'm a big money haver, but not the last laugher. For me, and for me, makes me no autographer, custody, my dreams, nightmares of cash. Paranoid of surveillance phobia of cameras. Pain, my bank's bigger, but so are my fears. Past records for players live limited years. But I'm unlike the rest, known to be the best. Fast money, true wealth, my eternal quest. I hustle all night long, there ain't no gaining rest. 12 gauge, close range, blood's on my chest. I looked into his face, I thought he was my friend. My boy had set me up. This one would never mend. No matter who you trust, you simply cannot win. It's always fun in the beginning, but it's pain in the end. Pain, 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 pain,
solitary. She says, I scare her. Got a light sunburn for too much poolside sitting. Cordless phone keeps me on, cause I ain't no quitting. Mine's in the money mode, seems like it's an explode. Curly's on my jammy, got a female overload. Young Street Messiah, professional liar. 19, got a Benz, 21, I retire. Crazy money, it ain't funny, sucker, loving my job. But there's some people at my door that didn't even knock. Task force booming, dogging my crib out. Can't shout, FBI's got a gun in my mouth. Threw me on the floor, call my girl a whore. G's out of my mattress and was looking for more. Crack my safe with an axe, then he'll out to the map. When they see my money kicking it in 20 G stacks. Book me on 10 count with bells of different amounts. The charges stuck like glue, some that I couldn't pronounce. They threw my ass the book, my life was surely took. Then they gave my girl 10 years for hanging out with a crook. She played the game herself, fast lane, quick wealth. No respect for the law or the city's health. The sweat of hustlers' greed is not reserved for men. It's always fun in the beginning, but it's pain in it. That ain't nothing. Cause when I get out of here, I'ma get right back in the money. Cause they don't know that I know what time it is, you see. I done learned something. I did half my time, but I didn't learn more when I was in here. And I'ma go right back out and get paid. You understand what I'm saying? Cause I did half my time. Word. I only got nine years left. Yo, Eva, what's up, man? They be bugging. They won't play our records on the radio, man. Say we violent, man. They need to look at the news, you know what I'm saying? Somebody need to kill that noise. Man, what you doing with that up under your shirt? Oh, man, it's time we put some head out. this ounce of words is just a token is he who has a tongue to tell that must remain unspoken
almost forced to watch children shows because that is all the time. And there's a very good reason for this. No matter where you turn on the dial, you're always going to find a kiddie show. And that is because the station makes such a killing on the kiddie show. Boys and girls, we're going to go on the air in just a minute. And uh, one thing I have to tell you <laughs> During the cartoon, you boys and girls can't talk in the studio because that goes out over the air. See? And we've instructed our announcers, if you boys and girls talk during the cartoon, they're instructed to belt you right in the mouth. <laughs> Okay, boys and girls, we're going to get ready for the show. And there's the announcer man, and he's going to talk in that mic. And now I'll come back and, and talk to you, boys and girls. Hey, thank you. before I get into the mailbag. Um, <laughs> Come on out, boys and girls. Let's settle down now, boys and girls. That isn't nice to laugh at Uncle Freddy like that. You don't laugh at your mommies and daddies. Do you laugh at your mommy? <laughs> Two announcements I have to make, boys and girls. As you know, we usually show the Three Stooges cartoons on Thursday. But uh, as I mentioned last week, they've been holding Uncle Freddy up on price. <laughs> and uh, Uncle Freddy has decided not to buy that show. I have bought a new cartoon show, which isn't quite as expensive. I think you boys and girls will enjoy very much, called the Army Training Films. <laughs> today, boys and girls, is Frostbite, so you want to be sure and watch that. <laughs> oh, 
uh, one other announcement, boys and girls. Today, we're adding the name of a new sponsor to our blacklist. <laughs> we're adding the name of Pops, new breakfast cereal. And, of course, all the members, uh, boys and girls in good standing in the Uncle Freddy Club, that, of course, means you can't have Pops for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> or uh, play with any little boys and girls who do eat Pops. <laughs> comes to us from Arnie Peterson. It's written in crayon. <laughs> we've, uh, we've asked you boys and girls to please be careful in Bernice's letter because Uncle Freddy can't always make out all your words. <laughs> This, this one says, Dear Uncle Freddy, Parf? Part? We're, uh, we're going to start printing these from now on, boys and girls, aren't we? <laughs> the part of the show that I enjoy the most is when you talk to Mr. Papa. Uh, well, we'll, we'll be doing that on Friday. And, um, he says, all the little boys and girls in my neighborhood come, come in and watch it on my TV set. We roll on the floor and hold our sides. <laughs> My mommy, that looks like, uh, told me to sit down and write you this letter. And uh, that, as I said, is from uh, Arnie uh, Peterson, and he's 34. <laughs> What's your name? Brucey. Uh-huh. And, and how old are you, Brucey? You're four. W would you like to see bye, Brucey? <laughs> then don't talk in the studio. There is, uh, there is one little letter I did want to bring up because we've received a number of them like this. Uh, this is from a um, Freddie Ferno. Freddie 